growing up in the projects, let me tell you something. We can start with that if you want. Yeah, go ahead. Retired aviation technician and Air Force veteran Gerald Parks, along with my dad and their six siblings, spent their formative years in the Lincoln Court housing projects in the 1960s. It was not what people would imagine living in the projects now was like. There was a lot of things that went on there, but what happens now or in the last, what they put on TV, wasn't our, what it, it wasn't our world. Hear his story on this episode of the West End Stories Project. I'm Key, manager of the Cincinnati and Hamilton County Public Library's West End Branch. Thanks for listening. So, again, go through the pecking order with Curtis and, and okay. Grandma. Curtis Parks was the oldest one of us. Curtis Parks Jr., which he hated being called Jr., but he was the he was Jr. Then there was Cookie, and then um, and, and you're gonna have to check their dates because I'm not real sure about when they were born. The Jr. was like he was probably two years older than Cookie. She was like I think three years older than Coleman. Uh, then I came along, so I was. Uh, what, a year younger than Coleman, and then Robert came. So then uh, a couple of years later, the twins came, David and Daniel, and then uh, Freddie came, what, two years after that or three years, and Freddie came. And mm-hmm. I don't know any anybody's date, birth date. So there was kids, there were the big kids, and then Coleman and I, we were like, we were like the duo. We were together. We were together all the time doing everything. And we didn't want to take the, the younger kids with us. Mama used to make us take them places with us, which kind of like kind of drug us down because we had to drag the whole family with us, which I get her point. It's like, no, take them with you. So we would have Robert, who was always aloof about everything, and then da- Daniel and David, and then Freddie. And Freddie was like, Watch out for the little kids. Don't let him get hurt because we'll catch hell. <laughs> if he was allowed to go. Because a lot of times he wasn't allowed to go because he was so small, which he used to get mad because he couldn't go anywhere. The family lived at several locations in the West End, but they lived at 1017 Cutter Street for the longest. We had four bedrooms. We all slept in beds. In beds, we had bump beds for a couple, but... Or we had a big bed, and we all slept in there with each other. My sister had a little twin bed and a whole and her own dresser and her own room, which was guess what? Right next to the freaking bathroom. <laughs> so we had a bathroom for the entire house. She was right next to the bathroom. I think she lived in there too, but <laughs> so she had a bathroom, had her own room, and my mom had a room. So that leaves two other bedrooms, right? Yeah. So that means Coleman, myself, Robert, Daniel, David, and Freddie. Well, Freddie lived in stayed in mom's room, but it's like, oh, why can't Freddie just come in there? And and then we would have we could, you know, divide the the other three rooms up, and Cookie could stay in the same room with you. Y'all are both female. <laughs> like I said, nicest place that I ever lived. They were clean. 
the biggest problem that we had there was they had roaches because a, a lot of these people were just nasty. And you have you could get rid of roaches in your apartment, but then they would come over from the neighbor's next door apartment. And it's a wonder we're not all dead from toxic uh, chemicals because we used to real kill was the one I can remember offhand. And we would buy that stuff and we would spray at night. Remember, this place has no air conditioning, no heating, so there's no ventilation system except to open the windows. The heat was from radiators because there was a boiler in the basement that heated up the water that, that furnished the heat to all the units. Mm-hmm. So there was no, um, so there was no ventilation at all. Yeah. And mama cooked on a gas stove in that place in the summertime in Cincinnati with temperatures in the mid and upper nineties and hundreds sometimes. And the only relief was a box fan <laughs> that we put in the window. Coleman and I, we used to get, we got in the building models. Mm-hmm. So we used that, uh, glue, model glue, which is hypoxic. We didn't know that. Mama didn't like smelling the stuff. So we would be in the bedroom with these, with this glue, putting together these little things. And you got, and especially in the wintertime, you got a heater in there. And we're sitting in there and we're putting this together. We're high as a kite. <laughs> And we're like, okay, my head don't feel right. We got to get some air. We'd open up and we'd have to stop and get some air. Like I said, it's a wonder we're not all dead (laughs) and we didn't die from, from toxic stuff. Like many housing projects from that time, Lincoln Court was considered an upgrade compared to the housing that existed before it. It contained three- and four-story walk-ups and semi-enclosed courtyards with greenery, indoor plumbing, steam heat, and washing facilities. When we grew up there, growing up in the projects, two things happened that I was totally unaware of. As you start growing, you start realizing that there's no Santa Claus because there ain't no fat white guy coming down to the projects after dark, and we didn't even have a chimney. <laughs> you figure that out at about four years old. <laughs> it's like, seriously? Santa Claus comes straight to the ghetto. Yeah, that was the reason they said that's why I was like, that kid's like, Santa Claus ain't coming here. You gotta be kidding me. When was the last time you seen a white person here after the dark? They don't do that. Which, it's kind of weird because that's what I was like. When we lived in the projects, first off, they cleaned every morning. Every morning, there were maintenance people that came around and they had a bag or a little basket hanging off their shoulder and they had a stick with a nail on it, and they went around picking up trash, and, you know, like people would leave little paper stuff laying around, and they would pick that stuff up every morning. And then they had, you know, like those uh, street sweepers? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That came around once a week. And this is in the projects. People had gardens outside. Like, there would be a plot of land between the, the apartments, and they, they were set up in boxes which I'd have to show you a picture of. So they called it a courtyard. So there was always four buildings that faced the inside of the courtyard. And then mm-hmm. some of them faced the outside of the, uh, on the street that bark, that, that torn it. Ours did too. And then there was a, a grass area between the buildings. And then there was another set of courtyards. In order to get to the store, we went to the store in pairs. 
never less than two people went to the store. And a lot of times we'd carry a stick or something with us. Or, I mean, had you ever been robbed or you just know of people who were robbed? Uh, people got robbed all the time. None of us ever lost the money. We were accustomed a few times and we had to fight people off. We were, let me tell you something. We were some bad as a kid. We didn't give a shit. He was like, oh, no, here's the deal. If somebody tried to take something, especially bigger kids, they would try to take shit from you. Because we'd walk through, there was a little walkway that went, to, that came out at the corner that went to the grocery store. But a project building, and each between the buildings there's a space. So you're not going to walk all the way around the other way to avoid these people. You're walking straight through. Well, to avoid the cops, the, 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 the older kids would stand there, and they would, they would shoot dice right there. So they they got a crowd and they're shooting dice. And some of the people would walk around and shoot. We had to walk through the middle and, and they, they kick the dice out of the way. Oh yeah. We, and they, they would push us and stuff and yell and cuss us and stuff. And it's like, you, I'll call the cops. <laughs> they, nobody ever did, but they didn't know that. But then when the cops did come, man, they were like those roaches when the lights came on. The cops would come and they would scatter like roaches. Grab the money, grab the dice, just, but then they'd be right back out there. And because it was in a place, there's no windows and stuff, so the people's parents couldn't see them and go, "You can don't be going out there shooting no dice." Their building was right near Court Street, which housed a business district that stretched from downtown Cincinnati to the West End. We had we had a colorful little big area to live in. So we're in the projects right across from us from the school, if you got a picture of this. And then there was a street that ran, I think it was Court Street, that ran up on one side of, of the projects there. And that, and all of the places were there, all the residential places. And they were all retail places. There was a drugstore. There was, um, um, there was all kinds of stores, but these are the ones that I remember because I had to, we dealt with them. There was a barber shop, uh, which was kind of weird because it was a white barber shop. And, there was a an Indian guy that he had, and my mom called it the witch store. Well, we didn't understand that at that time, but he, he, I guess he sold herbs and stuff. It was he Native American or was he from India? I think he was from India. Okay. I don't think he was Native American, but he could have been Native American, but I don't think he was. Matter of fact, I'm 90% sure he was uh, from India. So anyway, while he was so memorable, he had a shrunken head in the window. Mm. And he had a crystal ball in the window. And yeah, and that was for sale. Had all kind of weird stuff in there. And I was fascinated with that place. And my mom, went, she would not go in there. And she hated it. She told us she forbid us of ever going in there. But we used to stick to when she wasn't around. We would, that was like, it was watching, like going to the circus or something. We'd stand there and stare in there and look, check out all the little trinkets that he had in the window. Like he would have bats in there and stuff, you know, yeah, of course. And he sold all that stuff because he was a witch, I guess. And he sold a lot of natural medicine. Well, yeah. <laughs> so then there was a store that, that was a black restaurant. We call, it was called Heavy's. Yeah. And they sold, uh, it was like a like a bar, but it was it was a black local gathering place, which I didn't know about. We weren't allowed to go there. And then every once in a while, my mom finally let us start going as we were kids because it was an adult place that adults hung out at. But you could go get French fries. 
and hamburgers, not no McDonald's. Big, chunky french fries. We couldn't afford that anyway. But people would go there and buy just french fries. And they would put them in a, pl- a, p- a paper bag and wrap uh, napkins around it. They were so greasy. The grease would come through the napkins things, but they were so good. And you dump hot sauce on them. Yeah, that was good. <laughs> and then there was, there was a couple other little convenience stores. And then there was a store that the lady just sold candy out of. And she kept them. This is before they had the glass cases and stuff. Because kids coming in, your kids are going to steal shit. I don't care what you say. So she had had a candy store, but a lot of the stuff was behind the wire, these little wire cage things, so she, so she could make sure that you didn't stack pockets stuff. People still stole shit all the time, which is probably why she had to do that. And she was black also. There was another, oh, there was a, uh, a meat store. Oh yeah. So you could actually go and buy fresh meat every day. And the Germans on that, of course. That's de- definitely a German thing. They were Jews too. They were the nicest people around, though. And uh, I remember going there one time, and we picked up something, picked up some bologna or something from Mama, and and he kind of looked at us, and we were hungry. And I guess it looked what we looked like in the place. Yeah, he goes, and he cut up off a big piece of meat. Me and my brother, and we were eating that, and came home, and my mom was furious <laughs> that we like accepted some charity from this guy. And we were like, we were hungry. <laughs> what the f*** is so bad about that in your mind? You can't, you know, figure out what adults think or say about things. But I'm sure we were we were, we were really hungry because there were times when we ran out of money and there was no food. And I ain't talking about kind of sort of no, no food. Like not enough money for bread. And my mom, she could make a pit and cry. So she knew how to stretch things. And then we got money from the government, hence that thing, government cheese. Mm. That was the good. That was before Velveeta. Oh, you got a thing that was like the size of the loaf of a bread, and it was this big block of cheese. The best cheese of my life. I don't know where they got their cheese from, but that cheese was the (laughs) And we'd get like a a 25-pound bag of sugar every month. And even when we had to buy the stuff, that was before food stamps. I don't even say before food stamps, you had to go to the whatever. I don't know if they it had some kind of name, the government store, mm-hmm. and they gave you you got money, but they gave you government cheese as they call it. But it wasn't just cheese. You got cheese, rice, beans, um, bacon. Like a big chunk of sliced bacon. I mean, not sliced bacon. There was no slice. There was a big chunk of bacon. You had to slice it. The bread was sliced. <laughs> so, you know, um, and you know, like I said, beans, rice, sugar, salt. What else did they give us? That's all I can remember because I was a kid. I didn't care. I just had to haul at home with mom in those little hand carts. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the West End Stories Project. The West End Stories Project is brought to you by the Cincinnati and Hamilton County Public Library and is co-produced by your host, Key, and our reference coordinator, Kent Mulcahy. If you like what you've heard, listen and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and help us get discovered by leaving a review. Thank you.
We had fights. Our whole family was in the projects outside fighting, not fighting another family, fighting groups of people. And that started in the projects. People would do stupid stuff and we'd go, nope. My next door neighbor was one of the main ones. You know what tetherball mm-hmm. is? Yeah. Okay, so we're out in the courtyard. They got a tetherball thing. And she was beating everybody. And I was like, I was standing in line, waiting for my turn. I got up there and we were playing tetherball. <laughs> and she thought she could beat me, but I was good. And I got up there and I was like, boom, I was laughing. And I was teasing her the whole time I was up there talking, you know, talking smack because we're playing tetherball. And she was hitting the ball, and I go, boom, boom, and I knock it around. And then she hit, it got really close, and she thought she was going to rig, and I hit the ball really hard, and it swung around and smacked her hard in the side of the face. It almost knocked her out. I bam that ball because she thought, she thought she had won. It was on that last little spin around, and I got my hand in there and went, bam, and it swung out, and her face was close, and it bashed her face so hard it knocked her on the ground. And everybody was dying laughing. She got up in this rage and charged me like a bull. And she's swinging and screaming and thinking, and I'm just, and I'm backing up from her. And I'm blocking all her hits and I'm laughing by off the whole time. And she's throwing all these punches and I'm laughing about this. And I never even, as a matter of fact, I never, I think I hit her. Yeah, I did hit her. But when I hit her was because I grabbed her and I was trying to hold her because she was just losing it. She just went into this violent rage. So I grabbed her and I was holding her and she got, somehow she got a hold of my hand and she bit, like she tried to bite my finger off. She bit my finger and she wouldn't let go and I just started pounding her in the head. So she finally let go. She thought I bit my finger off. Mm. Holy shit. But, you know, <laughs> and that was the only fight that we actually ever had because she knew better. But she would talk. But I never, until that time, I never, ever punched her. So now walking around with my hand in a thing for like three weeks, you know, it was always wrapped up. I should have went to the, I didn't realize how how bad human bites were at that time. My mom was really upset about that because she bit me. And, and everybody knows that she started, I never started a fight with anybody in my life. 